Well, what a joy to be here today. What an amazing church. I've been awed and impressed by your church and by how you have structured your church and how you worship. Last night's music, lights, was absolutely incredible. And you never have a great church unless you've got a great leader. Churches don't just happen. Churches are not an accident. Success doesn't just fall off a tree. Success is a result of doing a lot of things in the right way and a lot of hard work. And then the blessing of God comes over it and you have success. And uh, I'd say that your pastors, your leaders, all of you are a successful group of people. And you have done a remarkable thing for God. But it's just the beginning. It's what the dream is. It's what's possible. If this mighty God has come to live inside of you, if He had no restrictions, if you didn't restrict Him in any way, I wonder what God could do in and through your life with the rest of the years that God's given you. I've often thought it about myself. If I didn't get in God's way, I wonder what dream I could dream that God could empower me to do. I wonder what dream you could dream individually, corporately, to see the glory of God come. You read about things that have happened in history, revivals that have broken out, changed an entire country in one year in Wales. So there's not a hotel left open, not even a dance hall left open. People were in prayer meetings and going to church because they wanted to be there. The Spirit of God was vibrant in the air. I wonder what God needs from a group of people so that New Zealand will be turned upside down and then it'll be right side up. My God, I wonder what would happen. What could it be? Could you do it? Would God take you? Would God pick up your life and do it through you? So that the glory came and there is no excitement like spirit excitement. There is no glory like Holy Spirit glory. There is nothing in this world that can compare to a touch from God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I wonder what would happen. Home, oftentimes a lot of us come to pray, about 150 of us, Tuesday nights. Oftentimes, oftentimes, angels are seen walking amongst us. Oftentimes, uh, when we finish the prayer meeting, Gold dust covers every seat all over the whole place. Nobody put it there. We're all standing out the front praying. And we've found diamonds have just landed on the floor. Like, I didn't see them land there. They sure weren't there before. We picked them up. Why would God send a diamond? A wonder. That's what it is, a sign and a wonder. It makes you wonder. <laughs> but somebody did it. 
He took it to the jeweler, the young man, and fell at his feet. He was playing the guitar. He picked it up, fully faceted, took it to a jeweler, and the jeweler said, that is a real diamond. Another night, a week or so later, another one fell. And he picked it up, and he took it to the jeweler. And the jeweler said, where did you get this? He said, oh, I just found it. <laughs> and the jeweler examined it. He said, well, it looks like a diamond. It is very close to a diamond, but it is not a diamond and I have no earthly idea what sort of stone it is because it never came from earth. It fell out of heaven. I wonder who this God really is. I wonder if we didn't know this mighty God that we worship and serve. Who this mighty God really is. How could He show Himself amongst us? Now this morning, I want to speak about three words tonight. I want to speak by the grace of God about how to feel God near you throughout your life. Like all the time, God is near me, I can feel Him. How do you feel God? How do you become so aware of God that you can sense and feel Him near you? makes a big difference to your life when you feel God walking with you. So, by the way, I brought some product. I've mentioned them once, I think. They're somewhere, wherever they are, wherever you keep product. But I'm sure that you would be blessed if you take that product. I'm very sure that it will change your life as those truths have changed mine. I wrote one little booklet. I've never written anything else, but this little booklet, just a little booklet, but it's power-packed, and I believe it's well worth you getting and well worth reading. People in my church have bought five and ten copies and given them away and all sorts of stuff. But it is a good little booklet, and you're very welcome to it. So check it out before you go home. Three words. Heavenly Father, we ask that the power of the Holy Spirit will come on our speaking, that our speaking will be translated into changed lives, new understanding, new appreciation, and a new grasp of you in our life. Amen. I want to talk about faith, hope, and patience. Those three words. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 22 to 25, we read this. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Put your faith in God. Shout it to the leper. Put your faith in God. To the wealthy man. Put your faith in God. For assuredly, Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, any mountain, sickness, poverty, lack, out of work, whatever mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. He never tells you to believe with your head. He tells you to believe with your heart but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. That is the most remarkable statement that I have ever heard in all my life. It's been a bulwark to my life for about uh, 40 years, I guess. It is in the most amazing scripture. Whoever says to this mountain, 
be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, what you say, will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, on the basis of that, I decided that if God told me I could go into a town and start a church, I could do so. So I did. And I've never met a town where I couldn't start a church. Started 265 of them from scratch. 266, the one we got now is the 266th one. God will honor his word. Anyhow, I want to read the rest of it. Therefore I say unto you, because of this truth, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. That is an astounding statement. You would dismiss it as a statement that's hype, except the Son of God said it. The Creator of the world said it. The Creator of human beings said it. The one who formed you in your mother's womb, as the Bible says he did, said it. The one who put you and I together, said it. He said, this is how you do things. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire. What is that? I don't know what that is. What things do you desire? Better keep them godly things. If you... Uh, when you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them. We said yesterday there were two realms. There's the realm of the Spirit and this natural realm we live in. In the realm of the Spirit is every answer a human being could ever need. I can reach into the realm of the Spirit, for that's what prayer is. And I take from the realm of the Spirit the endowment of power over my life, strength to do the task that I'm given to do, I take from God the revelation knowledge I need. And with that, as I believe and I receive it, I shall have it. It's a wonderful, wonderful life to live. The life of the Spirit. And so, there we are. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is. Now faith is. The evident, the substance of, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? Let me give you as I understand faith. Faith is hearing a word from God to your heart and believing it and acting on it and doing it and expecting that what that word says will be activated and released by your faith. Now that sounds complicated. Let me make it simple. Faith is hearing from God and doing it, believing that God's power will enable me to do what He told me to do. And I have never in my life found that to fail me. And I have done many things. Believe for $3 million for property. I've done many things. I have never on any occasion found that to fail. Hear a word from God. Let God speak to you. God likes to talk. God's a, God's a communicative person. God is your Father if you're born again. 
If you're not born again, you need to get born again today. That is, receive God into your life. Take the forgiveness for your sin and follow Jesus. So, I believe and I receive. I hear from God. I agree with what God says. And I set out to do it, even if to the natural it seems absolutely impossible. I've done it many times. Never failed, found it to work. Acting on the Word of God is faith. God might speak to you through the Word of God, through the Bible. He might speak to you in a dream. He might speak to you in a vision. He might speak to you in circumstance or through circumstance. He might speak to you directly to your spirit, which is how He normally communicates with me. By knowledge, by an impression of knowledge, by a knowledge that God is saying this to me. This morning, as I was sitting by my table preparing to come here and share, as I felt this was what God wanted me to talk about, I reached into the realm of the Spirit and drew the anointing of the most marvelous God down over my life to quicken me, empower me, excite my spirit and put life into me. That mighty presence of God came down over me around that little table in my room. My friend, there is no life in the world like walking in the Spirit of God with the access of heaven so that you, you can access heaven. Heaven is another realm. It's not far away. It's just simply another realm. Angels are there, myriads of them, hosts of angels. Wherever Jesus is, you'll find angels. This world is populated, the realm of the Spirit. Angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, the living creatures. They're all our friends. We're on the same side. We're just the tag end of the church. Millions have gone to heaven before us. You and I are making up the end of it all. So, there's a story once that Napoleon, the emperor, was, uh, was checking out his troops. And his horse shied, got a fright, and bolted. And a private uh, saw it and as quick as a flash. He whipped his horse and Napoleon's horse, which was out of control, flew up beside him, took the reins, and steadied him down. And Napoleon said, Thank you, Captain, they're saying to this private. The private, as quick as a flash, said to him, Of which company, sir? <laughs> Napoleon thought for a second. He said, Of my private guard, Captain. He saluted and said, Thank you, sir. Galloped away and galloped up to the private guard, the man who uh, was on sentry duty uh, said, Who goes there? He said, Your captain reporting, sir. And the man said, oh, By whose authority? By the emperor's authority, sir. And whenever you're given a word from God, you can face every demon that stands in your path and say, I'm reporting. And by the king's authority, king of kings and the lord of lords, he's back of you. He's back of His Word. That's the beauty of faith.
faith hears from God, obeys God, and goes and does it. I was often been thrilled by the life of David. Absolutely one of my great heroes, if not the greatest. And I searched for David's power. What was it that made David so great that in his lifetime, coming from a shepherd boy, could become king of Israel and conquer the known world? And so great was his conquering that for 40 years after his death, that hotbed of politics, intrigue, and war, the Middle East was calmed and not a shot was fired or not a sword was drawn for 40 years after his death. What made that man so great? And I know his secret. This is his secret. In verse, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 18, the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? That's his secret. He never, ever embarked on any project except he got a word from God. He wanted to know God would go with him. God's power would go with him. Always, always he wanted to know that. And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I'll doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. And this is what you'll read on every occasion. So David went. God said, go up. So David went. Always there's that implicit, immediate obedience. And David conquered everywhere. Just wonderful. Just a wonderful thing. So as I believe God and I receive, if God speaks to my heart, say God spoke to your heart that he was going to do a certain thing through you. Well, we're going to build a new church at home. It'll cost three or four million dollars. We don't have it. But so I said to the people, taught them, teach my people how to live by faith and how to use faith. I said, in the realm of the Spirit is everything we need. Now I want you to believe and receive. One thousand of you, believe and receive for three thousand dollars. And that'll make three million. And then we bring it in. There's one uh, young lady there. She's come there on, you know, late 30s, I suppose she is. And she was divorced when she came to our church through a very messy divorce. She's not a wealthy person. She uh, has a casual job uh, counting money for some security firm. And so she's not highly paid. But there she is. And she'd heard us talk about faith on many occasions. And she knew we were going to build a building. And she said, God, I believe you to give me $10,000. And so she reached into the realm of the Spirit and believed and received $10,000. She never told me she was doing this. Six months she did it for. She believed and received $10,000 confessed it, made agreement with it in her heart that that $10,000 was coming to her. And bit by bit, money came, money came. 
about, I suppose, four weeks ago now, she came and said, Clark, here's a check for $10,000. I got it from the Lord and handed it to me, $10,000. Um, a person in the natural would have no hope of getting $10,000. But I am talking to you about a supernatural faith that is in your heart. It is in your heart. You don't have to find it somewhere. To every man has dealt the measure of faith. You take that faith and exercise it. That faith can do anything for you. It's done everything for me. You can do anything with that faith. So now, if a thousand of us believe for $3,000, why, we just take it, we've got $3 million, and we can put up our building. Not a problem. The power of the realm of the Spirit is beyond knowledge. It's just above us. It's, it's great. So I believe and I receive. I don't necessarily see it immediately. He said, believe and receive as now. I shall have it is future. So I believe and I receive it. If you're sick in your body, and you come before God on your own somewhere, just sincerely, just deep in your heart, you look up to God and you look up to that unseen realm, that realm that's just above you, and you reach in with the arms of your faith, and you take your healing that was won for you by Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. For by His stripes you were healed. He was made sin and sickness for us, that we could be healed from it. But He's put it all to your account in the spiritual realm. So I reach up and I receive my healing. And I take that healing over my body. And I thank God for it. And from that point on, I'm going to make my agreement. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. I may still feel sick. I may feel no different. But I am agreeing with that supernatural Word of God that I believe and I receive and I shall have. So I am making my agreement. I stand, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. It was just this morning since I've been over here. I've had shingles and I had them before I got here. Shingles are very painful. Debilitating, make you so tired. And I had to drag myself to each meeting here. And that was just uh, difficult. And I woke up this morning and I said, Anne, I feel terrible. That was making my agreement with what I felt. But later I got up and I went out and sat by that table. And I said, God, this has gone long enough. It's gone on long enough. And I reached up into that realm of the Spirit that I know so well and that I love more than I love my life. And I took hold of healing for shingles and appropriate what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. And I took it down over my body. And while I speak to you here, the pain would only be one-third. And I feel a life come into me that I haven't felt now for about three weeks. The power of that living Word, your agreement with your faith. Your faith reaches into the realm of God. Your faith takes what God gave you. There is nothing as powerful as you reaching into that realm. Faith is simply the means that a human being has got 
to appropriate what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has done everything for us. He has given us all things, he said in 1 Corinthians 3. All things are yours. Only I have to reach and take them. Learn to hear the Word of God speaking to your spirit and reach into that realm to get it. Now faith. Well, that's a little bit about faith. There's heaps on faith in different tapes or CDs out there and whatever. But now I want to talk about hope. Now the biblical word hope has its own meaning. And the first meaning I want to give you, hope is an attitude of our mind. Faith is something of our human spirit. But hope is from our normal, natural mind. Hope is a steady, persistent optimism. That's what the Greek word translated hope means. A steady, persistent optimism. And that's something that we develop. And we develop it as a lifestyle. It's a marvelous lifestyle. A steady, persistent optimism that what I have believed and received, I will have. Now, I'm not suggesting that every young person gets married. There's a lot of people married wish they weren't, and a lot that aren't wish they were. And anyhow, whatever that is. But uh, you young people, if you're there and you're saying, I want a mate for life. It's a wonderful thing to want if you're, if you're that way inclined. You can reach into God, for God has created a mate for you that is just the right mate for you somewhere in this world. And you can believe and receive, and if you then make your agreement with it and live with a steady, persistent optimism that the exact right mate for me that will fit my life perfectly, that I will fit their life perfectly, will come to you. Even if when you made that prayer, your mate was in Alaska. By means and purposes, God will get your mate here to Hastings. And you will meet them. And when you look at them, you'll know in your heart, that's the one I've been praying for. Took him a jolly long time to get here, or her, whatever. You believe and you receive. God is a good God, but God works by faith. God wants us to be His children, and His children live by faith. The just shall live by faith, Romans 1 tells us. Therefore, being justified by faith, we live our life. We learn the way of the Spirit. So hope's a steady persistent optimism. So I, how do I get hope? I believe and I receive from God, and while I'm waiting for the manifestation of what I receive from God, I develop this steady, persistent optimism. I do to myself a lot of self-talk. I believe in self-talk. Did you know that you are the preacher you listen to most? You don't listen to any other preacher like you listen to yourself. If you listen to the words that come out of your mouth all day, any day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, and you hear what your spirit is feeding on, because they're feeding on the words that come out of your mouth. 
petrol price, ah, yeah. I was a farmer, went to a lot of cattle sales in my early life. I've never yet met a farmer. If you said to him, prices are good, yeah, about time, eh? I never felt one excited saying to me, man, I'm flat out carrying the money to the bank. Good rain we had. Yeah, if we don't get some follow-up, though, it won't do much good. The Kiwis talk like Australians. How Australian farmers talk. Land prices are good. Yeah, well, I don't know if it'll last, though. Why are we like that? Why do we want to talk like that? When your words are so powerful. Your words are the most powerful part of you. So I want to confess that, my God, I'm prospering in the name of Jesus. My church is prospering. My people are prospering. Nearly every morning at home and prayer by myself there, I pray for my people. And I pray that in this time of economic difficulty, that my people won't be out of work. That if they are made redundant, they'll get another job so that they stay in employment. Last weekend I asked my church, how many people are unemployed? And out of about, I suppose, a thousand of us over the different meetings, there were seven people unemployed. And I don't suppose they'd been unemployed long. They'll get a job quick. We believe and receive from that realm of the Spirit that God will look after our people, that God will watch over our people, and take it and hold it in the Spirit. My God, there is nothing like faith there is nothing like reaching into that realm and bringing it down into this realm over your life or over your people's life. But do develop a steady, persistent optimism that you'll be great, that God walks with you. I often do things like this to myself, and I hope you do similar things. I often say on my own in front of God, saying it so that God can hear but I want my soul to hear it. I am a son of God. I am born of God's Spirit. God's mighty Spirit lives inside of me. God's Spirit knows no defeat. God's Spirit has never had to back off of anything. God's power is in my life. I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. God speaks to me and I hear Him clearly. The presence of God is with me and will be with me all day today. And I make my affirmations to do with myself and God. I hope you do things like that. Driving along in the car, you want to do it. Anywhere you want to do it. When I got saved, because I was very angry before I got saved, and I was always angry and fairly negative, and uh, pretty, I was against everything, and sort of, except making money. I was into that. And I, I looked at myself in the mirror. And I don't know why. It must have been the Holy Ghost leading me, I guess. And I saw my mouth turned down and my face looked miserable. And so I stood in front of that mirror and practiced smiling. I thought, people will never see Jesus Christ in a face like that. So I changed my face. And I practiced it. Do you practice life? Practice living successfully. 
If you're believing to live successfully, what will you look like when you're successful? Will you put your shoulders back and carry yourself properly? Of course you will. Well, the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. Do you look like one? Do you talk like one? Do you act like one? Do you open the car door for your wife like a conqueror would? Are your actions like a conqueror? When you come home, do you just slouch? Or do you act like a conqueror, even when you're off duty? Do I clothe the Bible? It's all to do with how I live. You cannot talk negatively all day and move in faith at night. You cannot do it. You cannot think negatively and live a life of faith. You can't do it. I choose to be a faith man. I choose that faith is in my bones, that faith is in my eyes, that I see with different eyes. I want to see what God sees. I want to see the possibilities. Yes, absolutely. The possibilities is a wonderful way to live. I want possibilities. Did you ever think what possibilities are in this building, in human lives? What potential is here? You know, if you take your life and you, I said to you, how many problems do you have? If you've got more than 10 problems, you're in a bit of a mess. But if you've got 10 problems, what's your top three problems? Well, how long will it take you to sort them out? Really, really and truly. If you work on it and start to deal with things. I did this once. I thought on a scale of 1 to 10, what sort of day am I having? And I thought, well, most likely a six. Because I was feeling lonely. I was traveling in America by myself and just lonely and tired and seeming like I was doing it just because I'd let go of my homework and not doing my homework. I thought, what would it take to make my day into an eight? Instantly I thought, why, if I realized that Jesus Christ lived inside of me and he was walking down this road with me just now. Why, if the Son of God, that'll make it an eight. I said, what would it take to make it a 10 out of 10 day? I said, why, if I felt good? Why, if I felt confident? If I felt like God's power was going to be with me in this next set of meetings that I got to? Why, if the power of God fell on that altar, people were changed and everything. Why, it'll make it a 10 out of 10 day. Might make it a 12 out of 10 day. So I was there. It only took three minutes to turn a six out of ten day into a ten out of ten day. It's in yourself. It's in your hope, the steady, persistent optimism based on faith. That's what it is. Changes us. Changes us. I don't need somebody else to change me, inspire me. The fact that the Son of God lives in me is my daily inspiration. It's my inspiration to live a great life, to go out with a great bang. I had somebody say to me not long ago, they come by, it was a, a preacher, he called in to see me and sitting down in my office and he said, Clark, how old are you? 
I said, well, actually, I'm 71, but I'm only 40 on the inside. He said, you're getting on a bit, aren't you? Have you worked out who you're going to give the church to yet? I said, I haven't planned on dying yet. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, you come in here with all this junk, go home with all this junk. You're not going to leave it on me. Like, I'm good for years yet. I only acknowledge 71 years because it's a figure. I acknowledge the life of God is on the inside of me. And the power of God attends me. The grace of God is over my life. Angels of God attend me. My goodness me. Why would you think about dying when you've got all that going for you? <laughs> why would you ever think about retiring? Retire to what? What could you get better than that? What could you find that's better than having the Son of God living inside of you? It's a most exciting adventure to live your life with Christ in you, talking to you, giving you dreams, challenges. He will challenge every fear in you. He'll challenge every intimidity. All the little foxes that spoil the vine of your life, He wants to dig them out, throw them away. Oh, it'll be a wonderful life. You're in for a great time. Absolutely. Faith walks in the realm of the Spirit, receives from God my Father, taking God at His Word. And uh, hope keeps faith alive. Now quickly I'll go to patience. Patience is not like sitting and waiting for the dentist. The Bible word for patience is a totally different one. It's changed meaning over the years in the English. It means Change is a decision, the patience is a decision to hold firm that I will think the same way as God thinks. And I'll be steadfast in that. That's what patience is. Patience is an aggressive sense that rises up in me that I will think this way to the very end till I get it. And I will have it. Absolutely. When you develop patience, it'll prevent you from admitting doubt. Or admitting failure. It's just how long will it take me to do it? That's the only question. And that'll depend largely on whether or not you've developed faith. So Satan opposes you. Well, Jesus dealt with him on the cross. And I can stand and deal with him on the authority of Jesus Christ and tell him to back off so that I can possess whatever it is he's stopping me possessing. I have found Christianity to be a follow Jesus Christ to be the most wonderful, challenging, and sometimes scary, but always challenging life that anybody could ever live. Done all sorts of things, done amazing things with very, very little in the worldly sense, but achieved it in God's sense, by walking with God. Here today, some of you would be like I was in 1959 when I was sitting in a meeting, just a bloke from the bush, not giving God much thought at all, 
except sometimes cursory thoughts. The main way I talked about Jesus Christ was in a swear word. Strange, isn't it? You don't hear people going around saying when they drop a spanner on their foot, Buddha! <laughs> they do say Jesus and in a blasphemous way. I know I did. Or if you stubbed your toe on a cold morning, you're likely to let out his name. Nobody says Mohammed. Everybody picks on Jesus. That's because Buddha's dead and Mohammed's dead, but Jesus is alive. He's real. He loves you. He died on a cross for you. Heaven and hell are both real. They're both eternal states. You will live forever. Regardless of an atheist says you won't, he'll find out in a few years' time that he was wrong. If a professor at university told you there is no heaven or hell, he's not an expert in heaven and hell. He might be an expert in mathematics, but doesn't make him an expert on eternal issues. There is heaven and hell. Jesus said so. Everybody's life who follows him confirms what he said. You're going one place or the other. Friend, I'm asking you today, one man to another man, a man to a lady, give your life to Jesus Christ. You might say, well, Clark, I think I'm a Christian. Have you been born of the Spirit of God? That's what makes you a Christian. You say, no, but I've always gone to church and I've always done my best in life. And that's highly commendable. But have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you personally asked Him to come and be your Savior and forgiven your sin? Have you done that? If you've done that, you're a Christian. If you haven't done that, you are not a Christian. You might be a good person, but you're not a Christian. You say, well, Clark, I was born into a Christian family. Yes, but you could be born in a stable, but it doesn't make you a horse. <laughs> you have to become a Christian. You have to be. You are responsible for this decision. Your mother or your father is not responsible. You are. Whether your grandmother prayed or not, I hope she did, but you are responsible to make this decision. And on that day when you stand before God, there will be one great thing that will stand for you or against you. What did you do with Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of His life on the cross? Will you give your life to Jesus Christ today, now? What would stop you? Pride, maybe? Shy? Would that be worth going to hell over? To be shy? It almost stopped me going forward that day and accepting Christ. I was just scared, shy, embarrassed to do something in front of people. But friend, Jesus went all the way to the cross for you and He asks you to come and acknowledge Him as your Savior. He said this, 
If you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before men, that is, refuse to confess me, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. So today, I'm going to ask you to confess Jesus, to ask Him to come into your life. If you come, you will be saved. I know exactly how to help you come to Christ. I've had the privilege of leading many, many thousands of people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And friend, you can come today with absolute certainty that if you do these simple things I ask and pray the simple prayer I lead you in, it may be simple, but it will have profound results. Could every head be bowed, every eye closed? This moment of privacy for people. While eternal decision is being made, what will I do with Jesus? He is not far from you. Jesus Christ is going by your seat, standing in front of you, knocking at the door of your heart, asking, will you let me come in? Be Lord of your life. Inspire your life. Teach you a whole new way of living. Would you give me your life today? And for those of you who'd say yes, and I trust that's many of you, say yes. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, please come into my life. Would you raise your hand as an indication to God and to me that yes, you're going to do that and you're going to say this prayer. Will you slip your hand up, please?